Section 5 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 15, February 10, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sunbeard, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 15, February 10, 1880. A Hunting Adventure. While traveling in India, an English officer once spent a night in a small village, the inhabitants of which were much alarmed by a large panther which lurked in the jungle just beyond their houses. They begged the officer to kill it before he proceeded on his journey. He succeeded in finding and wounding it the next morning, but before killing it, had a terrible struggle, which he describes as follows. Having warned the village shikari to keep close behind me with the heavy spear he had in his hand, I began to follow the wounded panther, but had scarcely gone twenty-five yards when one of the beaters, who was on high ground, beckoned to me, and pointed a little below him and in front of me. There was the large panther sitting out unconcealed between two bushes and a dozen yards before me. I could not, however, see his head, and whilst I was thus delayed, he came out with a roar, straight at me. I fired at his chest with a ball, and as he sprang upon me, the shot barrel was aimed at his head. In the next moment he seized my left arm and the gun. Thus, not being able to use the gun as a club, I forced it into his mouth. He bit the stock through in one place, and whilst his upper fangs lacerated my arm and hand, the lower fangs went into the gun. His hind claws pierced my left thigh. He tried very hard to throw me over. In the meanwhile, the shikari had retreated some paces to the left. He now, instead of spearing the panther, shouted out and struck him, using the spear as a club. In a moment the animal was upon him, stripping him of my shikar bag, his turban, my revolving rifle, and the spear. The man passed by me, holding his wounded arm. The panther quietly crouched five paces in front of me, with all my despoiled property stripped from the shikari, around and under him. I retreated step by step, my face toward the foe, till I got to my horse, and to the beaters, who were all collected together some forty yards from the fight. I immediately loaded the gun with a charge of shot and a bullet, and taking my revolver pistol out of the holster, and sticking it into my belt, determined to carry out the affair to its issue, knowing how rarely men recover from such wounds as mine. I was bleeding profusely from the large tooth wounds in the arm, the tendons of my left hand were torn open, and I had five claw wounds in the thigh. The poor shikari's arm was somewhat clawed up, and if the panther was not killed, the superstition of the natives would go far to kill this man. I persuaded my horsekeeper to come with me, and taking the hog spear he had in his hand, we went to the spot where lay the weapon stripped from the shikari. A few yards beyond them crouched the huge panther again. I could not see his head very distinctly, but fired deliberately behind his shoulder. In one moment he was again upon me. I gave him the charge of shot, as I supposed, in his face, but had no time to take aim. In the next instant the panther got hold of my left foot in his teeth and threw me on my back. I struck at him with the empty gun, and he seized the barrels in his mouth. This was his last effort. I sprang up, and seizing the spear from the horsekeeper, drove it through his side, and thus killed him. 
eagles and their ways. The great golden eagle is one of the most distinguished members of its mighty family. It is found in many parts of the world, a kingly inhabitant of mountainous regions, where it builds its nest on rocky crags, accessible only to the most daring hunter. This noble bird is of a rich, blackish-brown tint on the greater part of its body, its head and neck inclining to a reddish color. Its tail is deep gray crossed with dark brown bars. Some large specimens which have been captured have measured nearly four feet in length, while the magnificent wings expanded from eight to nine feet. The golden eagle is no longer found in England, but is still plentiful in the Scottish Highlands, where it makes its nest on some lofty ledge of rock among the mountain solitudes. Swiss naturalists state that it sometimes nests in the lofty crotch of some gigantic oak growing on the lower mountain slopes. But Audubon and other eminent ornithologists declare that the eagle's nest built in a tree has never come under their observation. The nest of this inhabitant of the mountains is not neatly made, like those of smaller birds, but is a huge mass of twigs, dried grasses, brambles, and hair heaped together to form a bed for the little ones. Here the mother bird lays three or four large white eggs speckled with brown. The young birds are almost coal-black and only assume the golden and brownish tinge as they become full-grown, which is not until about the fourth year. Eaglets two or three years old are described in books of natural history as ring-tailed eagles and are sometimes taken for a distinct species of the royal bird, while in reality they are the children of the golden eagle tribe. Eagles rarely change their habitation and, unless disturbed, a pair will inhabit the same nest for years. It is very faithful to its mate, and one pair have been observed living happily together through a long life. Should one die, the bird left alone will fly away in search of another mate, and soon return with it to its former home. Eagles live to a great age. Even in captivity in royal gardens, specimens have been known to live more than a hundred years. Eagles are very abundant in Switzerland. Although not so powerful as the great vulture, which also inhabits the lofty mountains, they are bolder and more enduring. For hours the golden eagle will soar in the air high above the mountain tops, and move in wide sweeping circles with a scarcely perceptible motion of its mighty wings. When on the hunt for prey, it is very cunning and sharp-sighted. Its shrill scream rings through the air filling all the smaller birds with terror. When it approaches its victim, its scream changes to a quick kick-kick-kick, resembling the barking of a dog and gradually sinking until sufficiently near, it darts in a straight line with the rapidity of lightning upon its prey. None of the smaller birds and beasts are safe from its clutches. Fawns, rabbits, and hares, young sheep and goats, Wild birds of all kinds fall helpless victims, for neither the swiftest running nor the most rapid flight can avail against this king of the air. The strength of the eagle is such that it will bear heavy burdens in its talons for miles until it reaches its nest, where the hungry little ones are eagerly waiting the parents' return. Here, standing on the ledge of rock, the eagle tears the food into morsels, which the eaglets eagerly devour. It is a curious fact that near an eagle's nest there is usually a storehouse or larder 
some convenient ledge of rock, where the parent bird lays up hordes of provisions. Hunters have found remains of lambs, young pigs, rabbits, partridges, and other game heaped up ready for the morning meal. Over its hunting ground the eagle is king. It fears neither bird nor beast, its only enemy being man. In Switzerland, during the winter season, when the mountains are snowbound, the eagle will descend to the plain in search of food. When driven by hunger, it will seize on carrion, and even fight desperately with its own kind for the possession of the desired food. Swiss hunters tell many stories of furious battles between eagles over the dead body of some poor chamois or other mountain game. Eagles are very affectionate and faithful to their little ones as long as they need care. But once the eaglets are able to take care of themselves, the parent birds drive them from the nest and even from the hunting ground. The young birds are often taken from the nest by hunters who, with skill and daring, scale the rocky heights during the absence of the parents, which return to find a desolate and empty nest. But it goes hard with the hunter if the keen eyes of the old birds discover him before he has made his safe descent with his booty. Darting at him with terrible fury, they try their utmost to throw him from the cliff, and unless he be well armed and use his weapons with skill and rapidity, his position is one of the utmost peril. The young birds are easily tamed, and the experiment has already been tried with some success of using them as the falcon to assist in hunting game. The golden eagle is an inhabitant of the Rocky Mountains, but is very seldom seen farther eastward. Audubon reports having noticed single pairs in the Alleghenies in Maine and even in the valley of the Hudson, but such examples are very rare, for this royal bird is truly a creature of the mountains. It fears neither cold nor tempestuous winds nor icy solitudes. The eagle's plume is an old and famous decoration of warriors and chieftains, and is constantly alluded to, especially in Scottish legend and song. The northwestern Indians ornament their headdresses and their weapons with the tail feathers of the eagle and institute hunts for the bird with the sole purpose of obtaining them. Indians prize these feathers so highly that they will barter a valuable horse for the tail of a single bird. Royal and noble in its bearing, the eagle has naturally been chosen as the symbol of majesty and power. It served as one of the imperial emblems of ancient Rome, and is employed at the present time for the regal insignia of different countries. The bald eagle, the national bird of the United States belongs to the same great family as its golden cousin and is a sharer of its lordly characteristics. End of section 5. Recording by Sunbeard, Chattanooga, Tennessee.